This is episode four of Change the Station, and today we're talking about the internet and the rise of the mono genre. Clifford and I'm drinking club soda. Hey, this is Patrick and I'm drinking water. Oh, this is Sam and I'm drinking Sierra Nevada canned conditioned pale ale. This is Trevor and I'm drinking Dickle whiskey. talk news um patrick do you want to get us started what okay um so first off um spotify has recently teamed up with uber uh to allow users to listen to uh, music from their spotify accounts in uh, uber cars now how often are you going to use this so And is this even a good idea? I heard that and I first immediately like pictured me getting picked up by an Uber when I'm blacked out. (laughs) And I don't know, putting on something really obnoxious. I don't know, maybe just putting on yellow (laughs) swans for 20 minutes as a joke. Does anyone like give a shit? But please. (laughs) I do. I want to be able to seamlessly have music streamed at me like it's my fucking theme song at all times so it's great i no, my it won't affect my life at all but i'll use it i can just imagine all of the like possibilities to play something just really really offensive to to your driver <laughs> just something really awful like what, like what make the- your driver hate you even more i'm thinking I'm just thinking like Juju or some some of the bad Juju songs. There's worse, obviously. Yeah, he has a song about eviscerating a cab driver or something. <laughs> There's not really a lot of cab-centric hate. Seems, in music. Yeah. I'd I'd get the party started. I'd be uh fuck the pain away by Peaches. You just do that like every time. Can you Oh, uh, you have to mm-hmm. be in the car to play Spotify, huh? Yeah. Girl, maybe. Maybe you can request it. Like, as soon as I open <laughs> my door, I, I want the like, following song Seamlessly, like, you know, give a soundtrack to your your ride back home after, I don't know. <clears throat> maybe, you know, it would be great if I could specify the music that they listen to <laughs> on their way to <laughs> the rest of their day. 
because then that that would be that would be my opportunity to play wolf eyes and yellow swan and be like, come get here now. No, 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 no. This there is your incentive go. for getting here sooner. Huh. It's just it's kind of funny because the the idea of needing to use Spotify to to arrange this is just it's so super superfluous. Like they these cars could just have auxiliary inputs and you can plug in your phone, right? Like no one's, this whole no, Spotify. No, I don't want to so do that. Awkward. I don't want to plug anything into anything ever. Wait, so what about ever okay. again? All right. What, what do you guys think about a future where everything partners with Spotify? Like you walk into the department store and you can play whatever you want. <laughs> or you walk into like a restaurant bathroom. <laughs> 700 different songs playing at the same time. Or, uh, they don't be. probably have that in gyms where um, you're on the treadmill and uh, you can connect your Spotify account. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. makes sense. That would actually be useful because then you don't have to bring yeah. your iPod and get it all sweaty or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it could be. There could be a system where the highest bidder gets to choose the music for everyone. Oh man, bars. <laughs> that would just bars be like, need to do this like today. Oh man. I always thought that you know he you have like the the digital jukeboxes in yeah, if they were bars Spotify. now. Have you seen they have those? They look they look like slot machines. I always thought it would be really a really good money making idea if you could pay like an extra like dollar for each person in front of you in line so to put your song on. Next. What I say is screw the podcast. We need to buy a bar and implement this. And have a betting system or a, a <laughs> auction for whatever music's playing next. We'll be millionaires. All right. Well, yeah, well sure. you're the you're the you're the techie. Whatever you you figure it out. <laughs> all the hardware. All right. Well, stuff. if someone fronts the money, I can I can program this stuff. All right, Pat. We've got. I don't. Ha- there's silence. Yeah, as I'm soon out. as you ask for <laughs> well, move Pat's, on to the next. Pat's the heavy uh, the high roller here. <laughs> heavy eye roller <laughs> i'm not a high roller i'm an eye roller yeah damn it okay well anyway i think we've exhausted that news item oh well actually i kind of want to talk about that a little more so screw you guys um i saw that i saw that uber and spotify article on pitchfork and i was kind of thinking about it and it basically read like a press release like I'm kind of wondering if that was uh, like pitchforks attacks like advertorial content. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, what else are they gonna? It was like, <laughs> well, pardon me. It was that followed by an actual ad for it, right? Yeah. I mean, it always is. They're they're like partners. Spotify and Pitchfork, right? Yeah. So that was kind of not surprising. Uh, Everybody kind of does that, though. I mean. Half of the news stories in any music publication are just going to be press releases, like boiled down a little bit. So I have, or I have a breaking a news bit. when we're done with yeah, this. Yeah, I guess I just I, I did just it happen just a now. Couple links on Pitchfork, and I saw something I didn't know before. <laughs> okay, go. <laughs> website we have. Uh, there's there's a documentary about pulp uh, that's going to come up. Today or tomorrow? One of the- no, it's on today for twenty four <laughs> hours. God, here I am. I already, I already know. Yeah, it's uh, it's. Oh, let's I think have it's to watch it like right now. Today. Well, okay, so I'll, I'll be yeah, watching. Basically, 
Or just go on, go on one of those YouTube downloading websites, File 2 HD or something, yeah. and then... Just it says it opens in theaters on Wednesday. So if I miss it, I can always watch it on Wednesday. How exciting. <laughs> yeah, good. All right, well, well, Wednesday it is. All right, that was my breaking news. <laughs> I I went to open my... Uh, document titled podcast ideas dot doc x in my google drive right now to see my news items which i was uploading at work and apparently the only information that i saved was just a word document with the word podcast <laughs> typed into it and then page one in the footers at the bottom <laughs> so i have nothing to use <laughs> uh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why that's no. funny. I think <laughs> I I know I had actually like a few things that I was excited about, but I I'm not even. Uh, I, no, they're all gone. No, I wasn't excited. Oh, okay, about that. that's the outro. Well, <laughs> Cliff, do you have anything else? Okay, well, something interesting. I, yeah, I've got I've got some fun. So news. sorry, I don't. I can't. So okay, will you? Did you do my homework for me? Clint? Yeah, no. So let's see. Where's? Uh, let me just pull up the right article because it's. Uh, I don't want to misrepresent the phrasing here. No, you wouldn't. Gosh, no. this isn't a podcast. <laughs> These words are forever. Yeah, right. Okay, let me just. This is. So uh, there is a little bit of a controversy preceding this. But my news item is that Ariel Pink called Grimes retarded and stupid. Um, this whole thing is fucking stupid. So, it's a PR stunt. Yeah. For both so, of them. For who? Well, maybe not Grimes, but definitely for Ariel Pink. But there are... Okay, yeah. okay. So let's be... Let's back up and be clear on this. So what happened initially is... Ariel Grimes said some, or Ariel Grimes, there it is. Uh, <laughs> Ariel Pink said some things about Madonna because he is supposedly doing some stuff for the album, her new album, her follow-up to MDNA. And it was right. really not taken well, and Grimes called him a sexist, right? Or yes. said he was being sexist. His comments were sexist. So he followed up yeah. by saying that she is... Was it stupid and retarded? He threw the hard R stupid word. Stupid and retarded. Oh, stupid yeah. and retarded. Well, good. Well, I mean, yes, at least yes, if yes, he, yes, indeed. He cleared up the air of being a musician who would sometimes say mildly offensive things <laughs> and said something probably even more offensive than we was initially accused of. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it was. I'm not. I'm yeah. not too. I'm not too titillated by this web flame war. Except I want to listen to Ariel Pink's new album even less. I'm not into it, and I like the last one. I just don't. Ugh, I don't know. It's just. Ugh. It's too. The whole person. See, it I worked. Can't, I, can't, I can't digest it. It worked because it got me to listen to his new album, and uh, all I could think is, is this a joke? Like, <laughs> is this song joke? So what's the uh, more important beef of 2014? 
Mark Koslick and War on Drugs or Ariel Pink and Grimes? Us versus you too. Uh, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Ariel Pink and Grimes because uh, there there are social issues at uh, at at play here. Not just social. Oh, don't forget the uh, um this <laughs> the Sun Kill Moon feud also includes oh, no. Perfect Pussy. What really? <laughs> yeah. I think uh, really the singer of Perfect Pussy wrote this long essay about why Mark Kozelik is like uh, a racist dude or something. I forget. Really, hmm. a racist? Sorry, not a racist. A misogynist. Prejudice of some kind. Yeah. Well, uh, I want to know where okay, okay. I need to know where Madge stands on this. I want to know what she. I want to know what Madonna thinks of Perfect Pussy, because their names <laughs> kind of imp- oh, They're kind of the same thing. The Holy Virgin, the Perfect Pussy. Yeah. <clears throat> so, from scanning um, over this article about Perfect Pussy being mad at Mark Koslick, <laughs> uh, listen. I don't know. Patrick's telling the truth. That's all I. That's all I gather. Perfect pussy vindicated, like Patrick. That's good. <laughs> In these Patrick's truth meter is at all, at all the way truth so today. Oh, here we go. The, what? The. So so this is um, Meredith Graves, the singer of Perfect Pussy, and she's saying the more of us there are, the more things will be like the show that pit, pissed Mark Koslick off in the first place. No matter how cruel their banter gets, there, I guess Mark Koslick's part of there. At the end of the day, we'll still be louder. You guys can take that. Yeah, I guess. Cool. I don't know. I Wait. I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's I think us for kind them. of obnoxious. Well. I guess they're not going to tour together is what that means. Yeah. Hopefully we get a diss track out of it. <laughs> we're lucky well all right i think that that's our our news wrap up uh yeah 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 Yeah. i think i i think we are i think everyone is in in totally informed (laughs) all right yeah that was all the news nothing else happened okay so uh what are you guys listening to uh recently pat what have i been listening to um new order I just discovered this singles album, and there's a song called Procession that is amazing. Great bass line, of course. Um, and, yeah. Cool. I, Sam? Well, I am not going to lie. I've been listening to the Run the Jewels 2 constantly since it came out. I just... Got yes. back from seeing them in Portland. It's <laughs> really, 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 really good. Anyway, that's the most in-depth analysis I can give of it. But it's really, uh, it was cool. Down at their show, they actually had um, Carrie Brownstein came out on stage and introduced them. And then they were all up on the social media talking about each other during the show. It was really cute. Sweet. Yeah, that. it was a good show. People rapped. I got drunk. I rapped. I know like ten percent of the words in that album, but 
I acted like I knew at least 85% of them. So it was a good <laughs> show. I was into it. I love it. Nice. Oh. Trevor? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've been listening to Scout Niblet lately. Have you guys heard of her? <sighs> She's like one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> she, I, I know her through um, that uh, Songs Ohio song that she sings on. Um, I think she's on a, a couple on yeah. Magnolia Electric Company. She's definitely uh, in Farewell Transmission. Yeah, yeah. No, that, uh, well, no, she sings, um, I believe it's a Peoria Lunchbox Blues song on Magnolia Electric Company. And so I was like, hey, she has a good voice. And so I looked her up and started listening to her music. It's pretty Which good. Which of her albums have you been listening to? Yeah. Where uh, should I start? I don't know where you should start, but I just started listening at I think the most recent one it's up to Emma I don't know if that's the best yeah yeah uh, yeah, yeah it's up to Emma and then um the one before is the calcination of Scout Niblet that one is fucking rad um she's got some really good songs from uh, there was an album called Fool Can Die Now that she did and she had a song um called Kiss that she did with Will Oldham, which is outstanding, and I think that's one of the best songs in her discography. Um, so you should definitely look that up if you're digging into Scout Niblet. Okay. Well, I'm just glad you guys didn't make fun of me this time for my music choice. <laughs> what did you choose last time? <laughs> I can't remember. No, I don't know. <laughs> you don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the she's she's produced by Steve Albini. That's what I was digging. Oh, really? In my brain. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So I think uh, four. It looks like four of her albums were were recorded with him. She does a really good job, especially in like um uh the calcination of Scout Niblet, getting those like folksier elements with like those really gnarly feedbacky distorted guitar sounds especially on her acoustic they sound fucking gnarly um no he does a really good job balancing that he really emphasizes that in her music well i think i think that's what it is i don't know i listen to it and i like it oh sweet yeah it's her holding an oxyacetylene torch on the front it's a good one check it out i will do that okay cliff what are you listening uh, to yeah yeah, uh, obviously Run the Jewels, uh, Vince Staple, uh, quite a bit, and uh, I've been listening to a ton of Burial's Rival Dealer. I just, I don't know, it's the, it's, it's the, uh, I guess the fall of winter, or I guess autumn, late autumn, the sun going down early, getting dark out, got a gotta ride that night bus you know so rival dealer oh man so good also i listened to uh the my bloody valentine eps 1988 through 91 and uh i swear to god the whole idea of the band no age is based on the song thorn like it's 
I swear they they probably ripped that song off like several times over. But who's ripping uh, off that my yeah. Valentine also, song? I didn't hear it. No age. No age. Oh, I've heard of them. <laughs> yeah. Also, I think um, prompted by one of our most recent podcasts, I actually decided to listen to Mark Kozlik for the first time. You did what for the first time? Uh, listen to Mark Kozlik. Oh. Trevor, that's been yeah. that's been one of your mainstays for a while now. What? Yeah. <laughs> You've been listening to Mark Kozlik for a long time. <laughs> I mean more than more than any of us I know. You're like the the first person I heard about Mark Kozalek from. <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot here cuz he was in uh he was part of Red House Painters. Mhm. Right? And Sun Kill Moon. And then yeah, and then he did Sun Kill Mo- those Sun Kill Moon albums. The The Which Sun Kill Moon Ghosts. The only two bands that Trevor ever listens to. Well, that was my impression for some time. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I've been listening to uh, yeah. Sun Kill Moon every morning. See, I usually start with uh, the uh, two Modest Mouse covers, uh, "Space Travels Boring," and then um, "Ocean Breeze Salty," and then from there I go to Carissa, and then skip to Lost Versus on April. <laughs> See? That's my morning uh, playlist. Patrick Pretty, has a fucking routine. Yeah, <laughs> that is a very specific, very <laughs> depressing way to wake up. <laughs> yeah, I I had a revelation the other day. I uh, made that Zelda Ocarina of Time field like when the sun comes up, my ringtone or my alarm when I wake up. It's the best way to wake up. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a that's a good one. <laughs> Wait, what is it? But. <laughs> In in Ocarina of Time, when you're out in the field and the sun comes up, and the song starts playing or whatever, that's my let me, alarm now. Let me look this up. <laughs> time. So that's my routine. I had uh, my alarm was set to my alarm was set to this fiddler song, where uh, what is it? It goes, wake, bake, skate, ah! <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Then do you wake up and do you do those things with great relish? No, every morning I'd wake up like to a heart attack. It'd really get me going now. Well, it's a good way to wake up after falling asleep to the Pixies. Or Modest Mouse. I used to wake up to, my alarm was a Bell and Sebastian song called Beautiful for a while. This was in like... (laughs) middle school I swear to god <laughs> but it became very you know a very after a very few number of mornings waking up at 7am to a Bell and Sebastian song I like was completely aggravated by the sound of them for a while <laughs> would make me really anxious <laughs> that is anyway, always a danger yeah, I guess it's a Pavlov. All right, so yeah, definitely. All right, well, I think we've uh, procrastinated enough on talking about the uh, main topic for today. So let's uh, let's dive in. Um. So today we are talking about 
a whole a whole soup of uh, trends, I guess, in sort of the music industry in the 21st century. And we're trying to make some sense of them and pull them together. Uh, but chiefly what we're talking about is sort of the traditional music distribution system, uh, the internet and streaming music, and maybe the rise of the mono genre. And by that, we're talking about the potential that genres are consolidating into a single sound. Um, and maybe that's, maybe that's happening, maybe it's not. We'll talk about that and we'll try to figure out how sort of these trends in 21st century music distribution and consumption are uh, contributing to that. Um, it's no, so, yeah. no small feat. <laughs> yeah, and we're probably only have like 10 minutes to talk about it so uh we'll uh yeah let's let's uh, fire away so explain explain okay so explain mana genre to us and then i'll tell you why you're wrong (laughs) okay well so what (laughs) what i was hoping to do is that we would maybe uh hold off on actually saying that the mono genre is wrong until the end. No, no, uh, I'm going to spoil it before then. I can't keep it in. <laughs> <laughs> because we're probably all going to say the mono genre is bullshit, but uh, yeah, that doesn't fine. give us anything well, to talk about. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's, let's explore the idea. So the idea right, okay, is, yeah. so, is, uh, is yeah. sort of like uh now it's happening a lot faster since we have uh, the internet to talk about everything, and there's sort of this rapid or quickening progression of music to sort of one sort of overarching genre that's kind of this mishmash of everything that's ever happened. Question mark. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Okay. So. So I guess just to get us started off, the idea of the mono genre is basically that music, you know, be it pop music or other kinds of music, are sort of merging into a singular genre. Uh, uh, One of the authors from Stereo Gum posited this theory in October of 2013, basically, and that all music is converging into a single style. Uh, I think we can all pretty much say that that is at least not happened yet, that there are still distinct styles. Yes, I know that maybe I know that the convergence hip hop and polka at the same time. <laughs> right. So therefore right. it hasn't happened yet. But the idea that there is convergence happening and perhaps it's happening at a more rapid clip than any other time. I think that that's the key kind of takeaway from the mono genre theory. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the obvious or the the immediate connection I want to make is to evolution or the theory of evolution where you have kind of a well actually there's a couple things about that. But um you kind of have the a similar theory of like everyone Every species on Earth constantly getting 
more adapted to their environment and proceeding towards some sort of singular being that's going to be the one being that exists on the earth is like as far as you can stretch that idea um and that's like that's the analogy i see in my head but what you see is like you see a lot more of um more like eddies in that process you see like a refinement of a micro genre or species or spin-off or like something that's highly adaptable to an environment but not necessarily the same thing that's happening on another oh. part of the terrain. So I don't see it as I don't I don't see the internet as being a tool of mono genre as I as I guess is what we're talking about. I think it's more of a way to enhance specialization. I think the even the term microgenre and the idea behind that has only emerged in that same time span that we're talking about for this idea developing and for the same reasons which is the advancement of the internet and i think that really exemplifies the i don't know the the counterpoint to that that it's i don't, I don't think music is in any way homogenizing i think there's a lot more cross-pollination which is really interesting um I yeah i don't see how they make that connection uh, from uh I don't see how they get convergence from collaboration. I mean, just because all these pop artists are collaborating with one another, that doesn't mean that they're aiming for one sound. Yeah. Well, and so what I think is, you know, music by nature, like, if everything sounds the same, people are going to seek out the one thing that sounds different. So if the mono genre is real then there will be another genre that is essentially the definition of not the mono genre, right? Yeah. And people will flock to that. And so it's kind of a, uh, it's kind of impossible to have a mono genre because of that, right? Because mm -hmm. we went, you know, we, like, we've been in cycles with music for its existence now from, like, take classical music, which has really complicated, uh, you know, voicings that weave in and out, weave in and out of each other, which after that we went to folk, which was super simple, right? Which just is more about personality and, um, you know, you play the same progressions, but you just have a kind of style. And then we've kind of gone back to a bit of more complicated, uh, progressions and styles, uh, and so I think the only reason it it's cyclical like that is because people want to listen to new stuff. You know, a mono genre means I think it would create boring music, and so people would seek out what's less boring, regardless of what the mono genre sounds like. Yeah, I think it's a it kind of poses it being a fun idea. I read this I read this stereo gum article which I I thought was very very silly. Said I'm pulling it up now. Ah, it's about Haim and Lord and the mono genre <laughs> and then Kanye and stuff like that. Um, no, I think it's I think it's a really really silly concept and an over overthought piece. Um, no, I think it's I think it's definitely dividing more and more and more as you see that. Um, like Trevor, you were bringing up folk music. I see even a lot of like elements of that 
in the way music is made by individuals, uh, the way it's more accessible today, because I think that's kind of what folk music was about, right? It was yeah. uh, really regionalized. Um, it was about uh, family storytelling, you know, right. personal storytelling, you know, village storytelling, whatever. I'm largely making this up now, but... I <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's true. It's true because cause classical music, right, became a tool of the elite. <laughs> Right. You know, classical music was essentially a competition between like well-educated rich people trying to one up each other. And then folk music was kind of taking it that back. Right. Yeah. Well, there wasn't that level of access to it. Right. Yeah. In whatever time span we're talking about. Like <laughs> hundreds slash thousands discussing. of years. <laughs> no idea. Uh yeah, I think there's I yeah, and yeah, yeah, folk music, yeah, it's totally like the internet. We nailed it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I've also I I I was going to say I've also heard that com- I comparison to uh hip hop music, especially with the the things that I said earlier about being a uh accessible counterpoint to the structure and also being traditionally a, and currently a voice or a way of describing the voice of a marginalized society or community, which is definitely, uh, yeah, something that we have now that we didn't have when recorded music was first happening, I guess. Thanks, Internet. <laughs> so now that the, the, these, okay. um, I guess, barriers of entry into uh, specialized genres basically do not exist anymore because of the internet is has this been i guess a good thing for um artists exploring you know different micro genres or is um i guess are we seeing genres not have carrying the same weight as before oh that's an interesting question let me think of what well, it means. While Sam's thinking, I do want to make a, a comment, actually, though. Now that music is so much more accessible, you know, essentially, if you want to define, like, a new band, you talk about their references, right? You know, you like, if you want to see how bands have progressed over the years, you take, you know, the Beatles, and then this band was influenced by the Beatles, and that band was influenced by that band, etc. And mm-hmm. I think that mind map is still valid when you're discussing music, but it's much more muddy nowadays because everyone listens to more types of music because they can. Right. Yeah. So, so that was kind of, that was kind of part of the impetus to, to have this discussion really is that sort of we're in a almost post scarcity musical environment, at least as far as consumers are concerned. Right. So people people aren't necessarily as cabined in with their influence influences as they might have been once. Right. Like when music costs money, you're really sticking to what you know, what you know you like. But when music doesn't cost money, you can jump around a whole bunch. And I think that's kind of part of the idea of, you know, the rise of the mono genre is that there are so many more influences sort of bombarding listeners today because of that ease of access 
that you know you think of those points of reference they become less distinct maybe because there's a lot of them and they're all very different coming in right so uh you know that was kind of one of the main ideas that i was trying to get at here is that really the way people are listening to music is definitely changing and that that has an impact on the kind of music people are making as well yeah and do you think that uh that process is expansive or reductive i mean as far as the uh the the language of the music i guess in a way the uh dialects of it so so you're saying is it creating new genres or i mean it obviously is it is that's what it's doing and it's uh (laughs) and i think that that uh that cross-pollination that keeps coming up is exactly it's it's just i don't know i don't know what the word is (coughs) expanding exponentially logarithmically there's right well and and the other aspect right is that there's it's so easy now with the way that we make music on computers and you know you can grab free uh i don't know grooves from any style you want uh it's so easy to cross pollinate all you have to do is search around you know on youtube find a a hip-hop beat and write your indie rock you know jangly guitar over it and suddenly you have a genre combination yeah (laughs) right (laughs) you know but but it takes no effort now whereas whereas before you might actually have to have some knowledge of two you know uh subtle or two you, you might have to have thorough knowledge of two genres now you just kind of can quickly find both of those um, you might not even need to be a big fan, you know, and find a nice hip hop beat or whatever and, and toss it in your, whatever you're making. So, um, kind of what you're talking about, there's another kind of theory that stands, uh, distinct from the mono genre. I don't want to say necessarily in the opposition, but, uh, it's called the meta genre. Meta genre? And, uh, <laughs> The meta genre. Thank you. And what what that is is uh, the I'll quote the use of a musical style or genre as a rhetorical device. So you can actually, you know, with what? access to all of this music, Are we- you can pick bits from different genres, and your choice of selecting bits from different genres carries meaning in itself. Are we all clear on the definition of rhetorical? <laughs> sure. Do you, are you trying to get, get Cliff to I don't define know that I for am. you? I don't know. All right, Cliff, for, for, our viewer, for our listeners. In this context, I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's basically a device to that allows you to con- convey meaning essentially. Right. So like, uh, like your selection of genre itself, I got conveys it. meaning to the listener. I got it on dictionary.com. I think <laughs> it's helping. Okay. All right. Okay. It's Latin and Greek. Oh, no wonder I didn't get it. 
<laughs> okay. But anyway, I think I think so. I think Trevor is getting at that a little bit in, in what he was saying, right? Or, or am I yeah. just misrepresenting your position? Um, I, I think that's what I'm I'm talking about, right? That it's it's a lot easier to. I I think I don't think genres are converging, but I think we're a lot more familiar with different genres, and so I think music creators are. It's more. It's easier for them to think about. Hey, I like this music, but it'd sound really nice with this contribution from, you know, X genre that I might not be that familiar with, but I actually like have heard about because it's so easy to listen to music nowadays. Yeah. I think I think the definitions <clears throat> between the two as I understand them are very narrow, whereas something you'd think of like tune yards absorbing sort of African drumming patterns into the structure of a pop right song would be more like the uh what was the first one we were talking about? Not meta genre, the mono, mono genre, mono genre. <laughs> would be more like a mono genre idea rather than like listening to the avalanches or anything would, sample based really and having it be well, especially them because uh, they do uh, they consistently contrast genres that you wouldn't expect to be next to each other, whether or not they have a direct interplay in the theme of the music. Well, yeah. That so, I meant so, it. So in this article um, about meta genre, the author uses um, Kanye West using you know uh, weird uh, samples and his albums as an example as an example of um, meta genre, and then Arcade Fire toying around with different um, you know Haitian roots music as another example. Mm-hmm. And I'm not Working exactly with. clear as to how these are examples. Isn't this aren't these just artists like experimenting as other artists yeah. have been doing for years? So, so I have an analogy, but first I'm going to I think there's pour myself I think there's a, a drink. I'll be right back. Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I think that there's definitely a distinction between what Kanye West does and Arcade Fire do. Right. Like, uh, I mean, the Arcade Fire, they're playing around with genre and they're they're making music in sort of different genres. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, like, I don't know how much of that is an intentional choice to, like, convey some kind of meaning. I think it... I, I, no, I, I don't know. I think they just kind of enjoy it. It's very. I think it's very deliberate in the idea of structuring a structuring a song. You know, cross pollinating with those two different ideas of like Haitian music or disco music or glam rock, whatever they kind of get into in their last album, rather than Kanye. Sort of. I I think in a way he he incorporates other genres a lot like in his samples and they they sit very much aside from the music that's going on it's not integrated into the form of the song that he's using but he might have you know a marvin Gaye sample or a gil scott heron sample or a sample from a can song it's non-structural but it refers to those sorts of things and that's the meta aspect that i'm hearing or yeah, yeah. Or like uh, 
Avalanche's frontier psychiatrist where they like sample this. No, this isn't going too far. I don't want to keep talking about this because I'll just end up talking about the parrot sounds in that album because <laughs> that's all I can think <laughs> about. <laughs> well, here, but, but, but let me throw down my analogy then. Uh, now that I have my drink. So what, what I think music nowadays is like is if suddenly any animal species could have offspring with any other animal species. <laughs> <laughs> would we converge into That's one? I don't, I don't like where this is going. Trevor. Would we converge into a single species or would there be millions and millions of new species that result from something like that? Yeah, Sam, Sam made a, 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 a remark that was, I think, biologically questionable <laughs> earlier about evolution. Uh, what was but, it? Uh, I dare you to challenge me. <laughs> I think... As I understood your your suggestion, it was that evolution was leading to a point where there's one single super species. Yeah. No, I said that. I said that was exactly well, not correct. Well, or at least that's okay. What I was all right. Because I I think that okay. biology's or evolution's uh, practicality is its hyper specialization. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, I guess evolution so, even doesn't really apply when you think about it because there is no ultimate music. There is no best song in the universe, right? Yeah. If there's a best song We're in the universe, find a then, perfect form. then, you know, that's you too right it, now, I right? I think it's Lord's Royals, what? right? I think it's Lord's Royals. <laughs> that's that's the, but, the mono genre ultimate but song. But by the nature of, of Lord, Lord's Royals being the best song in the universe... We think it sucks because that's just how music works, right? Uh, I don't know if we all yeah. think. I think you're just a hipster. <laughs> Sam's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> them? Uh. But, you know, me, me, I think one of the beauties of music is in surprising someone, and you can't surprise someone with an expected genre. Right. Uh, or at least you can only surprise them to ex- to an extent. That was kind of poetic, brother. <laughs> yeah, wow. this is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Do you really was feel this second that drink? way about Chill Wave? Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's yeah, that's very precious. Very precious. Um, I guess another another thing, another quality of music that we haven't really talked about that is present in this idea of the meta genre is uh identity and how uh people identify with the genre right so like uh i'm not really sure where i'm going with this i guess people people want they they gravitate towards genre because it can gives them identity right so like yeah yeah, it it reinforces a, a a belief right a set of beliefs and so the mono genre prevents you from defining yourself in opposition of other things well right like that's exactly what punk is or was you know right is people intentionally making terrible sounding music to sound i mean i'm not saying punk's bad but i mean that was like you know just loud abrasive music it had a, it had a it coarseness was, to it yeah, I would well, say it was terrible sounding. Well, and I, and I guess what I'm trying to say is like they wanted to make music that did not appeal to the masses because they wanted their yeah, own music. No. And, yeah, and I think what you're saying is an extrapolation exactly at what, 
<laughs> kind of the idea was. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so again, to my point, it's kind of like, you know, I don't know. You can't have the perfect uh, stock market strategy because someone else will know that you're using that strategy and come up with a strategy to counter that strategy. Mm-hmm. Right, Until you get that sweet, sweet indie rock to pay off so sweet. <laughs> yeah. So if the mon the mono genre, I guess, destroys identity based off of genres, then because we're no, all it doesn't to, destroy. It synthesizes. It synthesizes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's so it's Borg basically like Borg, collective, right? Yeah, exactly. Damn it, I said Borg first. <laughs> 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 I mean, yeah, this I think I hope for the mono genre is the Borg and <laughs> the Federation is the meta genre. I just, Whoa. I just don't think no, we would listen Q to music. No, Q is the meta genre. I don't think the purpose of music is to homogenize. You know, I think the purpose of it is to personalize. And so I don't think the concept of the mono genre really matches with music at all. Right. I think it's going to keep getting more specific until every single person has their own micro genre. But probably. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, that, I think I, I, yeah, I think if you extract, if you smoked a ton of weed right now before I'm done with this sentence, and then I were to tell you <laughs> that the, for this extrapolation, the idea would be everyone having their own musical identity. And I think that's kind of what you do when you, you know, collect things, curate the things you listen to and, Specialize in what you like and what you play. And I only see that getting more individual as the tools become more accessible. Infinitesimally so. Well, however many people there are. <laughs> that's how that's in <laughs> to the negative one. That's how specific I see it getting. The um I mean yeah, I mean whatever. I don't I don't know about that. But th- it's more likely <laughs> than the mono genre. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Well, so we've, I think we've reached the conclusion that I kind of expected us to reach. Which is what? Wait, what? Who agrees with who? That the, uh, I don't know. I'm just saying that, uh, the mono genre is kind of bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, so at, at that point, are we comfortable saying that basically genre is musical genre is maybe more, is it, is it fragmenting rather than homogenizing or is there another way to think of it? No. Can we just do a vote on that right now? Cause I think we'd all come down <laughs> the opposite of homogenizing. Well, maybe, I mean, is there a, an alternate way of thinking about it that's more useful than say fragmentation? It's, I mean, I don't know. I I think the genres that, I think genre, um, I don't know, you know, the, the release rate of new genres or the construction of new genres is accelerating. The conceptualization of them. Sure. Conceptualization of new genres is accelerating. It could just be the music's getting weirder at the same pace. We're just getting better at noticing it. Yeah. I mean, maybe we're just in that right period of time to be, and we pay attention to music, but it appears to me like what we can define a subset of music as, so a genre, 
uh, we can attach words to new forms of that, I guess, more and more often, if that makes any sense. Uh, no. <laughs> sure. Yes. Yes. I thought that wasn't the end of that sentence. Um, sorry. Oh. I lost it. <laughs> I picked, I drank my beer and I leained away and I, I missed your summation. Sorry. What? No, that was, that was it. Oh, that was it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Do you have a response to that, Sam? Or no, uh, no, I have, I have no, no original thoughts whatsoever. Okay. Yeah, I think everything's um, going great. Music is fun. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna throw out a bunch of ideas that I kind of put together that we didn't really talk about, and uh, I don't know if if any of it kind of sticks. And you want to talk about it? Go ahead. Otherwise, we'll. Uh, We'll just kind of leave them aside. Yeah. Um, one thing I thought that might be contributing to sort of the way genre is evolving is declining power of record labels. Uh, you see a lot of, uh, I suppose that there, are, since there are other means of distribution available to artists, such as like SoundCloud, Bandcamp, or you know, I guess direct peer-to-peer kind of stuff that artists can go directly to listeners without uh, necessarily having some kind of commercial mediator between them. Right. So I don't know, you know. Also, you know, you can cut out radio, TV. You can cut out the traditional, uh, traditional press media. So there are a lot of ways to get directly to listeners without uh, a lot of commercial forces that used to be involved. So I was wondering if any of you had thoughts about how maybe that impacts sort of the development of genre. Yeah. Well, I think it um, provides easier access uh, for us to these maybe uh, weirder sub-genres. And that gives us, I guess, more, more time to, I guess, label this new sound and basically um, create create this um, micro genre and um, I guess uh, better formulate um, this you know the, the, the identity behind it the image and basically um, confirm its existence Ooh. I think the that's the effect that's happening and the mechanism of it is is definitely those platforms that you were talking about and i and it's that the directness that is the key source of it that interchange of information and musical ideas being more instantaneous than they were before is is absolutely what's causing it yeah well yeah and you know and through with major record labels like they have a concept of risk when they're releasing a new album. Whereas in our current, uh, you know, small artists can produce an album and release it with extremely small amounts of risk and just get it out there and, and see what the response is. And so I think by the nature of just risk, uh, a much lesser, um, you know, 
you don't have to take as much risk to get music out to your listeners. Right. You're not going to be hanging yourself out to try to put anything out there. Right. And I think this podcast is a good example of that. <laughs> we just kind of show up with stuff we have around. We we can do it, and then we can put it out there. We have a platform for it. Yeah. If if we had yeah, to go not through that a ideas cross pollinating with anyone else, we'll see. But <laughs> if we had to go through a uh, radio sh- station, you know, it'd probably never get released. But <laughs> yeah, you'd have to step on a lot of throats to get there. It seems like um, a while back, the conceptualization of a genre was like the job of um, was a marketing job by those record labels. It was either that or it had to be like a regional force like grunge. But um, these days, I think that power is given to the listener because of those um, accessible channels to music. Yeah, and I think it's, yeah. I think that that decentralization of genre too can be really, like because even like a, in the, the the tail ends of the chill wave and vapor wave genres. I mean, you even see artists doing really interesting things here in Seattle that are collaborating with people, you know, on the other side of the country, and it's just connecting through those channels, internet forums, and mm-hmm. making those communities non-spatially. I think that's really cool. It's not just because I'm high and I've had f- five beers now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, I agree. I, I, I agree. Beautiful. Um, so we I have, guess have we guess have we'll we reached just... a mono opinion? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you've been saving that, haven't you? Oh no. <laughs> All opinions in we this podcast. We use the internet to consolidate our opinion into a single. <laughs> oh, yeah, That's we can become a singularity. That's what this this was. Without Aaron, I was sold. I was sold on this podcast as some sort of Borg collective. Without Aaron here to be <laughs> controversial, we're just a bunch of people agreeing with each other. Oh, yeah, Aaron yeah. I was. I, I feel like Aaron. Oh, sorry. No go. I feel like Aaron might have been the mono genre propon- proponent that we needed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Make this more interesting. <laughs> so let's, let's start wrapping this up. Unless Cliff, if you have other yeah. things. No, I don't think so. Um, now nah, let's get out of I here. I think that I think that about concludes our discussion. Uh, we don't have anything in the mail bag. We've been failed by all three or four of our listeners. Uh, more like so. Uh, you mail. should on, uh, you should shoot us an email. Trevor, what's the email? Um, it's change the station podcast at gmail.com. Again, that is All change right. the station podcast at gmail.com. We use Gmail because it's free. <laughs> yeah. In case you were wondering. This is, yeah. <laughs> we're, this is definitely. All right. Well, you've <laughs> listened to. Yeah. All okay. right. Is anyone? Well, you've listened to is episode anyone four. Anything? Does anyone have any projects they want to plug? What? Any repping? Say Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Any all right. All right. You're going all right. To? Nothing. I'm doing. I'm doing the same thing I always do. I do a uh, show Sunday night six to eight on Hollow Earth Radio. So Google Hollow Earth Radio and you'll find it. Seattle music for two hours. Uh, other than that, I am 
also going to some shows that are coming up, and I realize Fly Low is tonight, and I'm not going to see you at that because I'm here right now. Dedication. I'll I'll rep the pulp documentary that you can watch right now for about four more hours. Except for when this comes out, it'll be done and it'll be too late. Well, when this comes out, well, you'll be able to digitally story. download this. We'll know in four hours, Cliff. Yeah. Pulp documentary. Look yeah. for it. I guess. I don't know. Oh man, uh, you got anything to rep? No. Wait. Um. Yeah, I've got nothing. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> All right, uh, is that it? Is that it for this week? Well, We're done. I'll Do you have anything to rep, Cliff? Uh, <laughs> nope, we got it. All right. Thanks for listening to Change the Station, everyone. Nope, I love you. I've, I, I've got nothing to rep, and so you've listened to ep- episode four of Change the Station podcast, where we talked about a whole bunch of bullshit. That's it. We're done. See you, everyone. Bye. This is Trevor, and I'm drinking Dickel whiskey. <laughs> oh, that stuff is awful. Are you having just a trickle? Just a trickle of Dickel? <laughs>